You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, if you call somebody a man of his word, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? Well, it means they'll do exactly what they say they'll do. They'll do it. They'll do it. Well, God says he will do it, right. and then things don't turn out the way we expect. How do we respond? Well, we start to think that he will not do it. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with Moses and Aaron today on More, more Than, than Ink. Well, good morning and welcome to our dining room table. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Jim, and, and, I, and we are at the dining room table. We always are. And we are here continuing our adventure in, in the book of Exodus. And today yeah. we start into chapter 6 as uh, in response to the way things <laughs> not turning out the way Moses expected the last they chapter would. didn't turn out too well. Uh, yeah. If you remember, chapter 5 ended with Moses blaming God. Wow. Right? He says, I, uh, you've done evil to this people. Why did you ever send me? Since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people, and you haven't delivered your people at all. At all. That's where chapter five ends. At all. Uh, uh, uh. You haven't done It's basically shaking your fist at God and saying, you're worthless. Yeah. You haven't done anything. Well, and we still see that Moses is still dealing with this issue of unbelief, Yeah, right? God says, I will, I will, I will. And Moses is like, but you didn't. But you didn't. Well, God doesn't perform like a trained animal, right? He's doing what he will do according to his own doing. God's ways are not our ways. Boy, is that true. And we left chapter five with Moses and Aaron kind of talking back to God and saying, you know, you haven't done anything at all. Right. In fact, you've made things worse. Well, because we have seen the beginning of Pharaoh's hard heart yep. begin to be exposed. Yep, yep. And he's really hard. I mean, he's not given an inch. Right. In fact, he's right. piling it on, you know, in, after the request. So after Moses and Aaron, in their impertinence, do not get struck down by lightning from God, <laughs> then we turn into chapter 6, and God, in his patience speaks back to Moses and Aaron. And that's where we pick it up today, because at this point, we haven't left Egypt. We are still enslaved there, and the burden from the Egyptians about making bricks has gotten much, much worse. The people are frustrated and angry. Moses and Aaron are frustrated and angry. Pharaoh thinks the Hebrews stink. I mean, it it really, it's not going according to anyone's plans except God. Well, yeah, and we see, I think, this idea that the beginning of deliverance may look like total disaster maybe a step backwards right it looks like a step backwards but just because it doesn't go the way we expect doesn't mean god's not at work right or that he slipped or he you know yeah exactly so So let's pick up the conversation because moses has just blamed god and says you haven't done what you said you would do this is your fault because that's what the people had said to him yeah so we're coming into the continuing of a conversation actually this chapter boundary is a little artificial right so moses has kind of had his say and now god's going to have his say Hmm. oh and what a say yeah you want me to start yeah go ahead and start chapter six verse one so god responds but the lord said to moses now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Hmm. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of this land. 
So I'll just stop right there in verse 1 because isn't that amazing? Because it looks like Pharaoh is not going to do anything to get these people out of the land. And God says, no, he's going he's gonna to change so totally he's going to drive them out. And isn't it interesting that God said, now I will bring them out, right. but Pharaoh will drive them out. Right. Well, right. clearly those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Both are yeah. true. Both are true. And yet here, this, uh, this is a massive change of heart in Pharaoh's part, because as we left in the previous chapter, there's no stinking right. way he was ever going to let them go. We can't live without them because they are good workers and yeah, we need they're them. they're part of our economy here in yeah. Egypt. And so, no, no way. But God's saying, you watch. He's going to change so radically that he's going to fall in line yeah, with the program, and he's going to be insistent that you God leave. has to bring that about. That's right. God's, in fact, God, the territory of the heart, that's where God works, oh. and that's what's happening in Pharaoh right yeah. here, and in Moses, and in Aaron, and in it's people. It's just starting. It's, it's just, just starting. starting. So here in the opening verse of chapter 6, God's telling him, this is where it's going to go. Do you, do you right. trust me with that? This is where it's going to go. Now you will see. Right. right. And again, that harkens back to... Uh, John 11, when Jesus said, now, if you believe, you'll see the glory of you God. You will see it, yeah. Right? We talked about that last week, so yeah. I won't recount that story. Yeah. I'll just continue okay. on. Verse, verse 2. So God continues his monologue with Moses. So God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. <laughs> he reiterates Pause. his name. Yeah. That's I the, am that I am. That's right. And this is, remember, a name anciently is your reputation. And this name is the name that's tied to covenants and promises. He says, I'm that God. Okay. I And so let's, let's review, God says. Verse 3. <laughs> I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. That's El Shaddai. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. You know, that place. Moreover, I've heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Can we stop there? Yeah, let's stop right there. <laughs> so this is, this is God interjecting, saying, I made a promise, and I'm going I'm to follow through with that promise. The same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, I made promises. They heard the promises. Hey, the promises are going to be fulfilled right here. I'm going to fulfill these promises. Um, the I'm Lord. about to do this. But yeah. it's interesting to me that he says, I, I, they, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as God Almighty mm -hmm. or the Most High. The Most High. Uh, but my by my name, Yahweh or Jehovah, I didn't make myself known to them. Well, mm -hmm. you know, the, the term Yahweh or Jehovah does appear in Genesis. It appears in, in chapters 12 and 14 specifically a in, lot. in relation to Abraham. Mm -hmm. So what does God mean when he says uh, that I didn't make myself known to them by mm -hmm. this I am name? Mm -hmm. I Probably the best way to understand that is I didn't make myself known to them the way I'm going to make myself known to you. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You are going to know me in a way that they didn't. They knew me through my promises. You'll know me through right. the fulfillment of those promises. Right. And through Boy. God's very active, mighty hand. Yes. That doesn't mean that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not see God work in mighty ways. Yeah, right. He certainly did. Right. But not nationally. Yeah. Yeah. This is the promise with a capital P yeah. to come into this land that God would be the center of. Yeah. And so he says in five, so I've heard the groaning of the people and it's time. And it's going to happen right here. I have remembered my covenant. I did not forget. Right. It's not <laughs> like he had ever forgotten. No. But he says, the time is fulfilled. It's time to act now. Right. 
Right. And that timeline we could talk about later, but that's a kind of interesting thing. This is the right time by God's. This is the optimal moment. This is it. Right. And so when Moses says, you haven't done anything at all, God's saying, no, actually, we're moving, man. We're moving. Hmm. Yeah. So, so say, therefore, ahead. to the verse people six. of Israel, verse 6, I am the Lord. Here it comes again. Now, he's going to say this as a bracket around this incredible statement. In verse 6, he says it. And then again in verse 8, I am the Lord. And I will mm-hmm. bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who's brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. That's uh, like, Did you count those I wills? Uh, what, well, I have them all circled here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's seven of them. There's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will, I will, I will. And the only time he says you will is you'll know. Right, right. Because I will watch me. I watch this. I will <laughs> right. do these things. Right. But, but you're look, you're right. I like how it's bracketed. He oh starts the I wills with I'm the Lord, and he finishes the I wills with I am the Lord. I'm See, the covenant keeping God. That makes me think of where it says in Hebrews, he didn't have anybody greater than himself, so he swore by himself. Right. God says, right. I am who I am, and I'm telling you. Yeah. Believe me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and this, uh, I was curious, I looked, the tense of this I will verb, mm-hmm. is it's a perfect tense. So in a way, it's it's future, it's coming, but it's also past, done. like it's done. Mm-hmm. It's future done is what this is. And so that's what he's saying. This is the plan. When Once I made the promise that I was going to do something, and I'm reiterating it here, then it's done. done. It's, it's as good done. as done. So you just watch, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do all these things. There, you want to talk about the I wills one at a time or not? Well, I was just going to kind of enumerate them. This is one of those places where it's really good to make a list. This is a great list. <laughs> God says, I will bring you out. I'll bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will take you to be mine and I will be your God. Mm-hmm. I will bring you into the land. You into so the I'll land. take you out of there and I'll bring you into here. Right. And I will give it to you. Right. If you just isolate those things that God says, I will do this yeah. for you. I'll get you out, and then I'll get and you in. meditate yeah. on those. God yeah. is the sole active agent on the bringing out, on the redeeming, on the saving, on the delivering, on the, and on this essentially a marriage statement in verse 7, I'll take you to be mine, and I will be yours. Yeah, that's actually probably one of the most important couplets in a way in the entire old testament oh, it is it is right yeah. in the middle it's right in the middle statement. yeah if you'll be my people i'll be your god it's a very marital it's a right. mutual kind of commitment sort of thing and he's saying that's where we're going back to and not only that when you use that marriage kind of simile in that sense too he's taking you out of where you used to live and he's taking mm-hmm. you to a place of his design to live with him there which happens you know in the ancient marriage ceremonies too well and this is at the very heart of the idea of a covenant Right, we enter this relationship, mm-hmm. this agreement. I will be for you, and you will be for me, right. and we will do life together from yep. this moment we'll do forward. Life together. Now right. we say those words when we marry, but there are other kinds of covenants 
lots of covenants active in the scriptures, but this mm-hmm. is the very heart of the one. This is it. God makes with mankind. Yep. I will be yep. your God. You will be my people. That's what he wants right. to be with us. And I will pull you out of your current living situation, right. which is very substandard and has no life in it, and I'll take you to an incredibly good living situation with me. I'll give you a different life I'll give with you a different me. Life. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, we, back in, in Jeremiah 31, he says, I, I was a husband to them. Right. He says that literally. He says, I was a husband yeah. to them, which is what he's doing right here. So so these I wills. And, I, and you know, I would, I would suggest to you, if you're in a really... I don't know, a dark down place right now. It seems like like the enslavement of the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a place where you're powerless to get out of whatever you're in the middle of, th- this I will list is very good. I mean, I would actually just write this down, maybe write it on your wall or something, <laughs> or on a piece of paper on your mirror or something. This is a great I will list because this is God saying, you know, I love you like a husband. I'm going to pull you out of what you're in the middle of right now, and I'm going to bring you to life. And because this wasn't just God's promise to the to the Hebrews, right? Because Peter picks this up in his letter yeah, and says, yeah. God takes you as his own possession. Peter's writing to Gentiles, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It was always God's intention to have a people who were his in order to make his glory known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is about as bold as God can respond to Moses shaking his fist and blaming him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So so God tells him to tell the Hebrews that. So in verse 9. No matter how lousy and difficult your circumstances right. are. So in verse 9, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to <gasps> Moses because their broken spirit and harsh slavery. They wouldn't listen. So their circumstances... Spoke louder than spoke the promise. Spoke louder than the promise yep, of God. Yep, yep. I get that, and we get that. Mm-hmm. You know, our circumstances can shout so darn loud that we forget that God even exists. But you know what? We're, we're given this information earlier in the passage that they didn't know God. Mm-hmm. If they knew God, then they would have listened when he said, hey, I'm going to do this for you. Yep, yep. Because he's the God who speaks, yep. and reality happens. Yeah. The Almighty is capable, and the one who promises is faithful. And so. he had said to Moses, I am with you. I'm with your mouth. I yep. will do this, right? I am, I am, I am. I am whatever you need. Yeah. So it's unfortunate at this point that the Hebrews didn't respond well to these very explicit <laughs> promises from God. Well, as we said the other day, it's not only Pharaoh's heart that's being revealed here, it's the heart of the Hebrew yeah, people. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Even after God teases apart what he's going to do in these seven I wills, they're still saying, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. So let's go to 10. Okay. So the Lord said to Moses, well, go, go in, in. <laughs> go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel grow out of his land. So this isn't just the three-day journey. No, right. this is the big egg. Let them out. Let them out. But Moses said to the Lord, well, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. So how then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I'm an uncir- I have uncircumcised lips. Oh, here we go lips. again. Oh, That's man. the same excuse oh, as back in chapter four. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I want to do that. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and when he says uncircumcised lips, it, he could be referring to what he thinks is his shortcomings in terms of right. speaking. But it could more be like unrighteousness. Like, you know, I'm a sinful man. I haven't got... I'm not pure enough. I, I just don't got what right. it takes. I don't have what it takes. I'm yeah. not adequate. Yeah. So if the people aren't going to listen to me, why do you think Pharaoh's going to listen to me? Right. <laughs> 13. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge. 
he gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring, bring the, the people, people of out. Israel out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. I give you a charge. You want to do it? Just do Just it. Just do what I tell you. I don't care how you feel. And I don't care if you think your lips are uncircumcised. <laughs> Just do it. Whew. This is about as as direct as God gets in all this thing with Moses and Aaron. I don't know why they haven't been turned into toast by lightning yet. <laughs> well, we're going to see that happen later in Exodus, <laughs> not to edit Moses. <laughs> yeah, it's, wow, it, it's, really, it's pretty astonishing right here. So God's just saying, let's do the plan. Let's mm-hmm. do the plan. I think it's interesting right here, too, when he says, you know, I'm giving you a charge. In a way, he's kind of bring, bringing Moses' focus back because Moses says, look, the people aren't accepting what I'm saying. When I focus on the people, I'm not getting good vibes here, okay? Right. When I focus on the people, when I focus on Pharaoh, I'm not getting good vibes. I don't think this is going to work out. And God's saying, hello, Look at me. Don't look at them. Right. I give you a charge. Look at me. So I see him kind of redirecting Moses, almost as though God's with his two hands is taking Moses' face. <laughs> He's spinning right. around and says, read my lips. Read my lips. <laughs> look at me. Just do, do this. Yeah. yeah. Just do this. Well, then, then we get into this very interesting genealogy. Okay. But it's fascinating to me that Moses, because we, we are functioning under the assumption that it's Moses who wrote this book. Yeah. Uh, inserts this genealogy here. It is interesting. And if you skip past the genealogy for a minute and jump forward to verse 28, it says, it it kind of the text picks right up from verse 13 to 28. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I'm the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? That just is reiterating. Reiterating. Verse 13. We're stuck in the same spot. So, and in between there, Moses inserts this genealogy, mm-hmm. which, you know, sometimes our eyes roll up in our head when we run into a genealogy, but this is an interesting one yeah. because yeah. of Moses' commentary on it, Yeah. right? So, uh, do we want to take the time to read it? I, I don't think so. Let's describe what we see, and we can pick uh, some pieces okay. out of it. So, uh, I'll start into that. He starts in verse 14 sure. and says, these are the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, then verse 15, the sons of Simeon, mm-hmm. and verse 16, the sons of Levi. So those are the first three sons. The oldest three the sons oldest of the three 12. The oldest three sons of the right. 12 sons of Jacob, right. Right? right? And then he kind of starts going into the other generations. Uh, he's, of Levi. Of Levi, yeah. right now. So we see that he's kind of narrowing down mm-hmm. the genealogy here. So then he goes into the sons of Levi and zeroes in on Kohath, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the sons of Kohath, Amram. Well, Amram is Aaron and Moses' father. Father. That's so right. now we're two, three, four generations in. So we're trying to get to Moses and Aaron. Right. Yeah. So and but there are some important people named here then in Very verse important. twenty-one. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the sons of Izhar, Korah. Korah. Korah becomes Korah. very important in the story in the If you want to sneak in ahead to number sixteen. Number sixteen. Yeah. Korah leads a, an incredible rebellion and there are people become toast. Yeah. In it's yeah. It's pretty if you want to terrifying. Do a little detour. It's kind of an interesting read. Uh, yeah. Well, but that's why he's named here. That's right. Right. That's and right. then in verse twenty-three, he talks about Aaron, mm-hmm. right, and names Aaron's sons. Well, of Aaron's four sons, two of them 
died before the Lord. Yeah, it says right. in Numbers 3. That's because right. they also tried to do things their own way and departed, and God yep. just killed yep. them. That's right. <laughs> God just ended their lives. Yeah. And the other two sons go forward. And then Eleazar, uh, in verse 25, Aaron's 25, son, yeah. gets married, and his wife bears Phineas. Phineas. Well, Phineas also is very important in the story yep. in the wilderness in Numbers 25. Yep. So these, this is a very important genealogy. And Moses yep. is telling us, he says, these are the Moses and Aaron in verse 26, whom the Lord said, bring the people out of Israel from the land of Egypt by their hosts. So right. he, the people he's writing to recognize these names and they know who these people yeah. are and what they've done. That's so he's exactly placing right. himself and Aaron in this very dubious family line. Yeah. So if the people are wondering, Moses and Aaron, so where do they fit in that whole Levite tribe right. thing? This is where they fit in the whole Levite tribe Right. Thing. And it's full of not religious, righteous superstars. No. It's full of faulty people. But we know that later on when the law comes the levites are the ones who are entrusted with executing yeah. the sacrifices and and the law so yeah. making sure that the law is followed in in worship in the tabernacle yeah yeah so oh my goodness yeah so for the readers of for the readers of exodus this is a gigantic context setting right. for the readers i mean right. he says that right at the end these are the heads of the father's houses and you probably right. recognize these names this is where we fit so in the puzzle I, I want you to see what the context is of right. moses and aaron before we go further on in this story i want you to see where they are right here and uh gosh the core of rebellion is just it's it's one of the craziest right. things in the entire Old Testament. And it's right in the it's right in the tribe of Levi. Yeah. It's interesting the way Moses said this. He says, it's these two guys who spoke to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, about bringing the people of Israel out. This Moses and this Aaron. Yeah, he wants right. to make sure they know. Yeah, these are this not is just, who we are. These are not guys with the same name. It yeah, emphasizes and, not their adequacy, but their inadequacy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in other translations in verse 26, it usually says something like, <laughs> these are the same right. Aaron and Moses, or these are the guys guys right the, these are the ones that we're talking about in this story in exodus right here these are the guys in this in this line yeah. right here yeah and so you know we we believe that that moses wrote the book of the first five books of the bible yeah. book of exodus when did he do that well probably during those 40 years in the wilderness probably and yeah. would have been reading them aloud mm -hmm. to the people so this is a very personal message hey this is me talking to you yeah. this is who i am this is where i come from i'm one of you yep it's yeah. us it's very personal these are real people mm -hmm. real human people with real human failings and it will become apparent well it's becoming apparent right now that it's not on the strength of anything that moses right. is that this exodus exodus is going to happen i mean it's not right he's showing lots of immaturity poor righteousness excuses still we yeah. thought he was past the excuse stage and he's still doing excuses. I mean, here he even finishes out this chapter six and he writes, you know, if he's writing this, he wrote again what he said to God. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't you know. This is lips. an interesting argument for the humility of Moses. It is. Because he repeats it over is. and over and over again, I'm the one that said, right. I'm not adequate. I'm not adequate. I'm not adequate. And if you remember back to chapter three, when Moses first said to God, well, who shall I say sent them? Mm -hmm. Who am I? Who are you? God says, it doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter. Tell him who I am. I Irrelevant, am. right? Yeah, and it's back to the focus on who God doesn't is. Doesn't matter the condition of your lips. I'm not looking for someone who has certain skills, and on the basis of those skills, Pharaoh's going to bend over and say, "Oh, well, if it's you, I'm going to let you out." Right? No, it's not going to be. So, so here's a little funny personal insight. Here, I took a fall this week, and I have a oh, fat yeah. lip and a bruise, a big purple bruise, a right on the now. front of my 
lip. Yeah. And so when Moses says, hey, I'm not adequate, I'm uncircumcised lips, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, it actually ran through my head. Well, maybe I shouldn't get up in front of people at church this week and lead worship like I often do because I look so funny. Because right? I have uncircumcised well, lips. Well, this has nothing to do, it doesn't matter who you are or what kind of bruise you have on your face. God's called you to do this thing. Exactly. It just is a funny kind of personal application oh, that's of nice this. Connection. That's a nice connection. <laughs> As you can see this morning, That's I have right. uncircumcised lips yeah. because I face planted in the I'm house. Because I'm a dope and I fell on the floor, tripped over my own <laughs> vacuum. <laughs> but I do, I do see the humor in, in him reiterating this at the end of the chapter by the uncircumcised lips. It's like because since we know he's the author, it's like he's saying, "Can you believe this? I told God right. I have uncircumcised lips. Right. I'm gonna say it again. Can you believe this? Right. I told God I have an, And God just says, "Go to Pharaoh." Right. Yeah, I give you a charge. Because I'm going to do this thing. Just go do it. Just do it. It has nothing to do with your qualifications. In other words, I make you adequate. That's right. You don't bring anything to this party. That's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. So, I mean, we're getting close to the end of this, but but we are still, it doesn't seem like we're making a lot of progress. And getting well, Moses out of Egypt. is still struggling with the same issue. He's, I know. Right? I thought well, I'm we got, not adequate for this. I thought I'm not we got past this. that a while right? ago. It's going from bad to worse. I'm not adequate for this. Well, yeah, and what's kind of highlighted is the fact that the life for the Hebrews seems to have gotten worse. Yeah. So he's have he's having some profound second thoughts, saying maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I'm the one that's screwing up. Maybe that's the problem. Hmm. And he's so he's, he's still trying to back out of being there. But God's saying, nope. I got a plan, and by the way, I will, I will, I will, yeah. I will, I will. Not you will, you will, I will. Right, I and will. you will know. So let's go. What do you say, buddy? Yeah, yeah let's go. So the humility the humility of Moses starts to poke out here. I mean, maybe he's being humiliated <laughs> through all this stuff mm. in a good way. I mean, God's well, bringing him down to zero. Well, he's certainly being, yeah, he's yeah. becoming aware in a very personal way of his own inadequacy yeah. and becoming humbled. Yeah. And, you know, the entire history moving forward as they come out of Egypt and they go forward, they're going to face a whole bunch of uncertainty everywhere they go from here. And Moses is going to have to have pretty well squared away in his heart. Do Mm -hmm. I trust the promise of God, even though he's not giving me any warning about what's going to happen or where we're going to? Am I willing to trust his promise? And I think Moses will be able to say through this entire process, yeah, there was a time I was a whiner and I said, God, I'm not going to move until you do something that I expect. But I've suddenly realized... I'll just do what you say. (laughs) Yeah, and God has called him to lead this people who at every turn will insist that they know better. Yes, yeah. And they'll try to do it their own way. Yeah, so as as time goes on, Moses' problem is not with the Egyptians, it's with the Hebrews. (laughs) His own people, as God makes them a nation (laughs) instead of just this ragged family of related people. Yeah, and everyone starts to understand their own heart and God wins in the end. Well, we're out of time Mm -hmm. and we want you to come back with us. We're going to start chapter 7 next time. I hope we make some more progress getting out of Egypt. I think it's going to get real exciting real soon. But it gets pretty hot. So I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And I hope you're enjoying this as much as we are because we're having a great time We're clearly having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) So come back with us next time for More Than Ink. Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. That was bad. That Sorry. Was bad. I jumped in. I shouldn't have. I forgot where we were going. <laughs>